Welcome to this week's edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Hume, and I'm here to take you through the very latest news and views, hints, tips, and tricks to help you on your property journey. Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers Podcast. It is Friday, the 28th of April, 2023, as I record this podcast. How are you? I hope you're doing well, and thanks very much for joining me yet again. Today, I'm going to tell you a few things, obviously the latest housing news and what we're finding here at the Coalface in an estate agency in southwest London. Uh, But also I'm going to talk about things I've learned from 30 years in agency, what I'd call a code from the agent's side. In other words, what the client says and how we perceive that comment. So that's at the end of the show. In the meantime, let's talk about the market generally. Uh, Lots of valuations coming through. We are at the peak time of the year when people decide to move now. End of April, beginning of May, the weather's a bit more mild. Well, you'd hope, wouldn't you? And then on top of that, people are really thinking about their move before the summer because the spring is here, the plants are out, they're all looking great, and those spring gardens can make a difference to the feel and the appeal of your home when you're selling. So lots of people out there obtaining valuations, deciding whether now is a good or a bad time to move. Let's hit some of the headlines. First of all, starting with one from the mirror. Abandoned first-time buyers fuel demand for 35-plus-year mortgages. Yeah, this is the extraordinary story that people these days are going for very long mortgages. And if you're old like me, it always seems a bit of a shock. But there are 30 and even 40-year mortgages available. Uh, The Labour Party said only a third of people born in Britain today will own their house by the time they reach 50 years of age. Lisa Nandy referred to a study by the English Housing Survey, which showed the proportion of homeowners aged 45 to 54 had fallen from 74% in 2010 to 65% in 2021, 2022. Now, of course, your chances of owning a home are vastly affected by whether your parents own a home and whether they can afford to be the bank of mum and dad and offer you a deposit. And this is a real problem. But now these mortgages are getting longer so that people can afford to buy. And of course, with the rental crisis, and it really is a crisis, rents are going through the roof, meaning that even though interest rates are going up, the balance between the cost of renting and the cost of buying is changing. With the cost of renting going so high, it can work out in your favor to go out and buy a property for a similar amount. We have the most empty homes in London since 2010, since, says the London Evening Standard. The number of empty homes in London has risen to its highest level since 2010. Some 34,327 properties were classified as long-term vacant as of March 2022, government data showed. The highest amount was found in Southwark with 2,400 empty homes, followed by Newham and Barnet. The figures show that both privately owned and council and housing association homes are vacant. Conservative MP Andrew Boff said the London's mayor had completely failed to tackle the housing crisis and pointed out that the number of empty homes in the capital had decreased by 45% under Sadiq Khan's predecessor, Boris Johnson. Taylor Wimpy's senior recovery as mortgage availability climbs. Uh, This is interesting because, of course, first-time buyers, when they're out there, affect the whole of the market. And if Taylor Wimpy are seeing a recovery, so the rest of the market seeing recovery. And we're seeing that too. More first-time buyers are starting to come back into the fold. But of course, we have likely another interest rate rise coming on the 11th of May at the next Money Tree Policy Committee meeting. And we expect interest rates will probably go up another 0.25%. And then the Daily Telegraph says first-time buyers are taking a £220,000 gamble to get onto the ladder. 
Um, and they're talking again about ultra long mortgage terms to get onto the ladder. And they face paying an additional 220000 over the lifetime of their loan uh, because brokers have reported a rise in these loans of 35 and 40 year terms. This comes as new data from UK finance shows the number of young people taking out these mortgages has more than doubled since the beginning of last year. That's quite shocking, isn't it? If a first time buyer was to borrow £450,000 over 25 years with a 4.5% interest rate, which is tangible, it's about where we are now, they would pay back 751000 over the course of the term. Shocking that, isn't it? How 450000 turns into 750000 If they were to extend the term by 15 years, they'd reduce their monthly payments by £480 down to 2000 but they would ultimately pay back 972000 This was carried out by a private finance broker and assumes the interest rate remains at 4.5%, which it won't. It will vary over the term, but still interesting statistics there. More than 1,200 households have waited more than a decade for housing. And this is a Scottish survey and unsurprising given the rent controls they've put in place, causing a massive backlog there and huge problems for families. Interesting one from the Daily Mail and certainly one that we can echo. Probate delays are causing stress and disruption to bereaved families trying to unlock loved ones' finances or lawyers. The latest, and this is an article from the Daily Mail, the latest official figures revealed that the average wait time for both paper and digital applications from submission to granting was 10.6 weeks, down from 11 weeks the previous month. Carrying out the whole process online is quicker at 7.5 weeks, down from 8.4 weeks in January. But lawyers report seeing probate delays probate delays rather of five or six months and certainly we can echo that we're seeing that quite often and uh mayo win baxter says that uh, she's a private client partner um sorry fiona dodd of mayo win baxter says probate delays are causing huge disruption with queues at the courts leaving buyers walking out on house sales investments and losing value during stock market volatility hm courts and tribunal service out points out that the death rate has been considerably higher since 2020, causing a surge in application. So, of course, the number of applications will affect the delays in that side of things. And certainly six months is not unusual in our experience right now. This is an interesting article and it comes up in The Independent. An empty plot of land, sand in Dubai sells for $34 million. Now, this is actually not even real land. It's artificial land. It's an empty plot of sand in Dubai, and it's actually on Jumeirah Island, and it's been sold for £34 million, and that's a record-breaking deal. And it's made its former owner 242% profit. It's in Jumeirah Bay Island, a man-made island with accessible bridge from Dubai mainland, according to Bloomberg, which reports that the 24,500-square-foot space was sold by Umar Kamani. He's the former CEO of Pretty Little Thing. He purchased it two years ago for 10 million. Well, that's a nice profit, isn't it? After leaving the plot of land untouched for two years, Kamani sold the property to an unnamed buyer who doesn't live in the UAE, but reportedly wants to build a family vacation home in the sand. Uh, The Times reports an article saying that Rightmove's house price index shows that the average price of home for first-time buyers has reached a record high of 224,000 in the UK this month, despite, despite slower conditions in the wider housing market. The property portal found that sales volumes typically favoured for first-time buyers were up 4% from March 2019, while homes a step up the ladder remained 4% behind 2019 levels and top-end properties lagged by 3%. New sellers' average asking prices increased by 0.2%, which is nothing, isn't it? It's zero, really. Um, April, and that's a slower pace than a typical 1.2% rise for this time of year. 
Demand for first-time properties, which typically have one or two bedrooms, was 11% higher than it had been four years ago, according to Rightmove. And demand was driven by rising rents, which is something I echoed earlier on, um, which made buying compelling for those who can't raise a deposit, who can raise a deposit rather, and obtain mortgage finance. Tim Bannister, head of data, said the figures portrayed a multi-speed market and that the hectic activity had fueled sales during the pandemic has faded. Agents are reporting that many sellers have transitioned out of the frenzied multi-bid market mindset of recent years and understand the new need to attempt spring buyers with a competitive pricing strategy. Now, this is something we've been talking about for some time, but the Daily Telegraph reports buy-to-let landlords in London are selling their properties at the fastest rate in the country due to rising mortgage costs and low rental yields, according to Zoopla. In the first three months of 2023, 26% of homes listed for sale in the capital have been previously let out. That's double the national average of 11%. In Scotland, just 5% of homes listed for sale during the period have previously been let out. The exodus of landlords is driven by a combination of punitive taxes and rising mortgage rates. The tax relief on mortgage interest for landlords, which we've talked about many times, has been phased out since 2017, meaning they can only deduct 20% of their interest costs unless they own properties in a limited company. The situation is particularly challenging in London, where high house prices have resulted in lower rental yields. Lee Karasavas, Managing Director at Prolific Mortgage Finance, said, We've seen more and more landlords questioning their profit margins with more asset stripping and the placing of lower yielding properties onto the market. He added landlords are also selling properties with poor energy efficiency before the government's planned introduction of minimum energy performance certificate requirements in the private rental sector. Now, things we learned from the last 30 years in agency, how to translate comments from buyers. So the first thing I've learned is when I'm valuing a house, if the client showing me around is showing me specifically what's wrong with the property rather than how nice it is, it's a divorce and they're the buyer. Number two, if a buyer says money, no problem, there is almost certainly a money problem. Number three, if a tenant says they're not sure about their credit score, they have a bad credit score. Number four, I will pay the rent up front for two years in cash means I will start a drug farm in your landlord's house. Number five, I used to be an estate agent means I know far more about this than you. And therefore, after knocking on all walls in the house and spending a lot of time looking around, I will make a very low offer. And finally, everyone wants a deal. And this is always true in agency. But of course, they want to protect their family's finance and the ability to see things from the other person's point of view is the critical skill that a good estate agent needs to have and you need to look for in your selling agent in the UK. And that's because buyers want to protect their families. They want to get the best deal possible for their family. And that's only human and natural. And you have to understand that when a buyer makes a low offer, they will go up quite often, but you need to be polite and respectful in your answer and the way you approach them. Really, really important to understand things from the buyer's perspective. When they make a low offer, they're not necessarily being insulting. They're just trying to do the best they can for their family and protecting their family finances. And similarly, when a seller requires a really high figure, an unreasonable figure even in your mind, you have to understand that as a buyer, that seller is just protecting their family finances. And the ability to understand both sides of this is what separates a good agent and a great negotiator from a poor one, because negotiation is the key skill that pulls deals together and holds them together through difficult moments. And only by understanding and literally helicoptering yourself out of the situation and looking from it almost from above and saying, you know, what does the seller want? What does the buyer want? Is there a middle ground? Because there can be a point where both sides feel happy and will proceed with a deal. But where that sits is a really critical point in 
the negotiations. Now I want to make a quick point on get-rich-quick property investment schemes. You will see on YouTube and TikTok and other channels many property investors leaning against Ferraris and Lamborghinis telling you that property will make you rich if only you'll pay for one of their courses. Two words. Please do not sign up. That's more than two words, isn't it? Um, But the way they make their wealth is by nothing more than a Ponzi scheme quite often where they'll sell you the idea of a course. And this course will show you how if you follow their strategy, you can make a lot of money. And that will be what they'll tell you on seminar number one. And then at that point, they'll try and sign you up for course number two. And then at that point, they'll try and get you to part with a deposit for one of their schemes. Almost always, in my experience, these schemes fail to deliver. And the only one that gets rich is the guy leaning against the Lambo. Uh, And often the only way they paid for that Lamborghini or Ferrari is not through property investment, but actually by sucking people into these kind of Ponzi schemes. We've seen, I think there's three of these kind of scheme proponents go bust in the last week. And obviously, they've taken a lot of client money with them. So Property, remember, is the long game. It's not a short game. So if you're thinking of investing in property, do not go for one of these get-rich-quick schemes because they do not work in my experience. There are people that can flip houses and make money, but trust me when I tell you that they are in such a minority that really it's difficult, A, to break into and gain the trust of estate agents, and B, if the estate agent's doing their job, they're getting their selling client the best possible price. And never forget if you're a buyer as well. The agent works for the seller. It is our job to achieve the best price for the seller, not for the buyer. Of course, it's also in our interest that the sale is done so both parties end up feeling happy and we want to do a deal. Um, So don't be afraid to talk to agents on the one hand, but always have in your mind that the agent's job is to work for the seller and obtain the best possible price. So when you're speaking to them, understand that their position in this is biased as much as they may seem like the neutral party. That's the key to successful negotiation as a buyer is understanding where everybody sits. And if you're a buyer and you're thinking about discussions with the sellers, if you meet the sellers at the property, do ask them the question, you know, why are you moving? Try and find out a little bit about their motivations and similarly ask the agents those questions as well. But never forget with property, generally speaking, it's a long-term game, not a short-term game. And therefore, if you're moving because your family needs a bigger property and you're worried about the market, don't be. And I'll tell you why. Because for most of us, we're just transferring the equity we have where we live into a property that we want to be in. And the difference between those two, when you work it all out, if the market goes up or down 5%, is not going to be significant. Because you're going to live there for probably 10 or 20 years if it's your family home, you should move when the time is right for you, not by trying to time or call the market or be smart with that. In terms of the market generally, very, very busy on new properties coming to market. I'm pleased to report right across the board. What I suspect will happen this year is we'll see more and more buy-to-let properties coming to market. So at the bottom end for first-time buyers, we can expect to see the supply increase of small flats. And in the middle of the market, we expect there will be a restriction in the number of family homes coming up for sale because many families are worried about interest rates and most importantly, the direction of travel of those interest rates, the way things are going. Uh, What we suspect, as I've already said, is interest rates will probably go up at the next MPC meeting. Hopefully they will come down after that, but it does depend on inflation and inflation is proving more stubbornly high than we expected. So we could even be looking at a couple more rises after that. I'm hoping that that's the final rise and we can start to see uh, interest rates abating. 
of course, there are many factors <clears throat> in the interest rate equation, uh, but the main one is inflation. And if headline inflation comes down, then we can ultimately expect interest rates to start to fall. The problem is that interest rates lag the market. And what I mean by that is the government puts up interest rates, many loans, both for business and for mortgages are on fixed rates, so they don't impact immediately. The lag can be as much as two years. So the effect of the interest rate rises we've seen is only just starting to filter through now. And hopefully, as time goes on, we'll start to see inflation start to come down and those interest rates will come down with it. My gut feeling is that we'll see interest rates plateau by the middle of this year at the latest, and then they'll start to drop off in the second half of, of this year. But if you're looking out there and you've got some good fixed rate deals available, then there's no reason why you shouldn't take the plunge as long as you can afford those payments. This is not financial advice, of course. Seek independent financial advice from an independent financial advisor if you're thinking of going ahead and buying. But the most important thing is question, can I afford this? If you're renting at the moment, then look at your finances and look to see what the extra cost would be or indeed whether there'd be an extra cost after you put in your deposit. And bear in mind the pros and cons. Get yourself a list of pros and cons. The pro of owning a home is the certainty. The problem with the rental market right now is many landlords are selling up, causing massive disruption to millions of families across the UK. And if you rent, you're always exposed to that on the way most tenancies run on assured shorthold tenancies in the UK right now. The new legislation won't do much to limit that either. So if you want the security of tenure that owning gives you, then this year is as good as any, certainly with a softer market, and no one can deny it is a bit softer than it is last year, you should be able to get yourself a good deal. Uh, but consider the pros and cons. Obviously, the pro about buying is the security of tenure. In other words, the ability to live there with your family, be settled and move when you choose, not when your landlord chooses to sell. And the other pro is that with rental prices going so high, most tenants are staying put. And therefore, if you do get notice from your landlord, it could prove very, very difficult to find somewhere else anyway. And this is going to be the problem of this year is many tenants are going to struggle to find accommodation, not just accommodation at a price, but accommodation full stop because there's so little new accommodation coming up for rental. And this will be the elephant in the room as far as the government is concerned, be it Labour or Conservative the rental crisis will grow this year. And we'll keep reporting to you on that. But right now, massive undersupply of property. There are lots of tenants out there looking for properties. And literally, when we get a property on right now, we find ourselves withdrawing it within hours because we have too many applications, all from people that are eligible to rent. We do find, of course, we have to sort out the better tenants from the worst. That's our job. Um, but sadly, we end up with all too many good tenants. Uh, and that means we have to filter and a lot of decent people are struggling to find accommodation. So thanks for listening this week, as always. Hope you have a fantastic week. We'll be back next week with another edition. Till then, look after yourselves and your families. Ciao. Thank you so much for joining us on yet another edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers podcast. You can find out more at our website, jamesalexander.com. You can email me directly, ken at jamesalexander.com. We are estate agents and we can give you hints, tips, tricks and advice wherever you're buying, selling, moving to or from. Thanks to Ben Sounds for the intro and outro today and thanks to Jack Bowles for production.